Hey everybody, we're back with our second uh, episode of, of 619 and Shane and I are pretty happy because we got a lot of positive feedback from the first episode, so hope everybody else is doing out there. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm pretty excited about the second episode, especially going into the first one not knowing if people were going to like us that much or not. How was, uh, well, that is very true. So how was your off day, and was it much needed after how many games we played in a row? We played like 100 games in 18 days or something like that. So how many actually was it? Was it 18 days? I think it was 18 and 17 days or 19 and 18 days or... I don't know. It all blurs together. So it was 18. So, all right, we'll just say 17 and 18 days. And uh, so what'd you do? What'd you do yesterday? I did nothing but eat and sit on my couch and watch college baseball. Nice. I saw a super duper special premiere of Incredibles 2. So I've seen it already. It's not even out yet. <laughs> and Where I'm did not you see that? I saw it at a movie theater. Which one? Uh, the one in Troy. I'm not sure. I the didn't name get an invite. It. No, you didn't. But that's probably because you don't have kids. That's a good point. So you're probably not going to get an invite to a cartoon movie if you don't have kids. But I would have watched it. I know you would have. Was it incredible? I'm not sure I'm allowed to tell you. Don't tell me. I'll just say that the movie sticks to its title. It's incredible. It was pretty good. Good. So anyway, uh, so let's talk a little bit about our first. Let's talk a little bit about the reactions that we got from our first one. So I think the fans, the fans liked it pretty much, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, out of all the tweets and whatnot that we got, we didn't get many like "you're stupids." We got a lot of a lot of good good feedback, um, and some questions that you know with topics that people want to hear about uh, in the future. Um, you know, so it was it was all good stuff. They came back with some pretty good questions too. Yeah, yeah, they came back so with some some good stuff. A, a lot of people want to hear more about uh, the minor league lifestyle and like that first call up feeling, but we'll get to that. Uh, as we well, go. we can well we can touch on that right now. You want to touch on it right now? Sure, we could touch on it. What was your minor league call up feeling like? Well, uh, when I got the call, I was in a hotel room in Tampa, and at the time I was in extended spring training um, because I had gotten cut that last day of spring, and I, they sent me to extended spring to build up to be a starter, and they called me. And at the time, I was looking at buying a new vehicle, and so I was getting calls from random Tampa numbers all day long. Um, to from, buy about the car? Yeah. What car from, were you looking from at? From dealerships. I was going to get a, uh, uh, not a Camaro, but the Challenger. I was going to get a Challenger. With the big engine or no, just the show? No, small engine. Like, small engine. I was going all show there. All show. Yeah. So it looks fast, but It was but looking it's fast, not. but it wasn't going to be fast. Excellent. And so I was getting calls from dealers all day long, and I got a call from my 813 number, and I answered it expecting it to be a dealer, and it was uh, the head minor league coordinator telling me that I'm going to the big leagues. And How does it feel answering this question while a lady's taking pictures of you? I'm just being natural with it. I think that's good if, if people are taking photos of us while we're doing this podcast. People might like us. People, pe- we might be onto something. Um, so yeah, I, I, I answered the phone and my whole body started shaking. Um, I kind of blacked out a little bit and got off the phone and immediately called, uh, my parents and I don't remember if I called my mom or my dad, but whichever one answered the phone, I made them put it on speakerphone and get the other one so I could tell them both at the same time. That's a really good Yeah, story. it was, it was, it was pretty incredible. What about yourself? Mine. So I was in Toledo and, uh, it was our last home game of the triple a season in 2013 and i was told by uh phil nevin bull durham and gino roof they called me into the office 
and they said, you're not going to be going with us to Columbus to finish out the season. And I said, I'm not? And he goes, yeah, you're you're going to Detroit. you got a day game tomorrow, and Justin's pitching. Good luck, kid. <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> Go get him. So then I ran out, and I, I called my family and you know told them that we did it and stuff like that. And it was it was pretty surreal. Who, and they who had, was the first person you called? I think my dad. But I think it was similar that, like, you know, my dad kind of uh, – they were probably in the living room because I remember telling him, and then everybody was kind of in the background that I heard it, you know. So it was, yeah. I called my dad, but, like, I, I called my whole family. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Same. So – all right, so that was one of the that was one of the questions. So let's uh so since our first episode, I got so I did I was on the Christopher Russo show, The Mad Dog. The Mad Dog. The Mad Dog who's yelling all the time. I've never heard him not yell. Neither have I. How much coffee do you think that you have to drink to be that Oh, well, here's energetic. the thing. There's no way I that couldn't imagine doing I couldn't imagine doing a podcast yelling, "Let's go Tigers" <laughs> all the time. I couldn't, no way. I couldn't imagine doing that. I'm going to have a headache after 15 minutes. I probably wouldn't sit in here with you. But if you were I, yelling at me the whole time. No, you wouldn't. You don't like to be yelled at at all. No. I don't do good with yelling. He called you Sean. Listen, here's the thing about that is my third grade teacher called me Sean <laughs> the whole year. Okay? So I've learned to answer to it, but it's clearly Shane. It's clearly Shane. Like I've never seen S-H-A-N-E as Sean. Never, ever. But I corrected him. I hope that these people saw the interview because as soon as he was like, oh, congratulations on the podcast, you and Sean Green, your closer, I said, well, here's the thing. <laughs> His name is Shane. And, you know, he, he, he kind of said he was sorry and, and you know, corrected No himself. hard feelings. It happens. But so we've actually also been getting some texts around people, uh, around some old teammates and stuff. Justin texted us. Yeah. Verlander. Your old, your Who old would have thought ace. that Justin Verlander on an off day would be sitting wherever he was sitting listening to a podcast so, of me and you Yeah, he talking. put. So he put us in a group chat and he was, he said, you know, I'm sitting here on an off day and uh, he was listening to the podcast and he said that he loved it. He said that we were great for it and he said that he loved the stuff that we talked about. Yeah. So that was pretty cool because yeah. Justin doesn't hand out compliments like that. No. I don't know if, any, I don't know no. if anybody knows Justin. And it's one of those things also where like, it's tough to read if he's if he's being facetious. How do you say? It? That's facetious? a great word. That's a vo- that is a high school vocabulary word right there. It's tough to tell if he's being that or if he's being genuine. But I think that uh, maybe a mixture of both. Like I think he's he more thinks genuine. we're a little crazy. So he, so he, th- he no he thinks we're crazy. So it's he likes the crazy. fact that we're the ones that are doing it. Um, but hopefully he also enjoyed what we had to say. And I think he I think did. he did. Yeah. I think I think ever since uh, him and Kate started going serious and him being married, you know, he's he's been more of a of a genuine person. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of hands out compliments a little bit more. Absolutely. I'd say that. So that was good. So, all that right, That was Shane. great. And so I, I, did a, I did a radio interview. Uh, when we were in Boston, I did a radio interview with MLB Network, and they brought it up as well. So people are taking notice. Actually, when I was doing the radio interview, uh, I wasn't expecting them to bring it up, and then I panicked, and I forgot to tell everybody our Twitter handle. So, again, our Twitter handle is at 619pod. All spelt out, no numbers. You panicked, huh? I panicked. <laughs> Why'd you panic? I don't know. I wasn't expecting the questions about the podcast. I think it was, well, that was actually the first thing that, that the Mad Dog asked me about before the season, before the team, before anything. He asked me about the podcast. Did he listen to the podcast or he just asked you about it? <laughs> I'm not sure. We don't know. I don't know if somebody that yells that much has the patience to, to sit listen to, to listen us. to people talk for an hour. It's a good point. You know, because then he's going to have an opinion about the podcast and he's not going to be able to yell at us. Uh, he's not going to be able to yell at a recording. Well, if he hates it, he can still yell. He would, but who'd be listening? Everyone. 
everyone would be listening? Well, everyone that's tuned in would be listening. Would be listening to Christopher Russo. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, if he's like Verlander and he's at home listening to the podcast right. and listens to us talk and he disagrees and starts yelling, it serves no purpose because no one is listening. Because nobody's listening. Unless he's point. married. Then she has and to And she's over listening to that. <laughs> has to be. Oh, man. Well, all right. So since since our first podcast, we we won the series with the Angels. Mm-hmm. We took that, which was a great series. We faced some good pitchers. We got to see Shohei Otani mm-hmm. and his out-of-pocket 100-mile-an-hour heater whenever he wants it. That guy's incredible. He's pretty good. Did you hear that? He might need Tommy John surgery. Yes, that's not only terrible for him, but also terrible for the game. It's terrible for baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, look at Zim running his, doing his conditioning. How did he do last night, the Whitecaps? Uh, I'm not sure. We're sit, we're sitting up here and we're just watching Zimmerman do his do his, his re- running run stadiums. stadiums. He had a rehab start in West Michigan. I'm not sure how it went. But anyway, back to Shohei. So hopefully that goes good. You know, just because a guy of of that talent is good for baseball in general. Absolutely. Especially uh, with with the you know the worldwide fans that he pulls from his country. Yeah, not not only that, he's the he's exactly what you are when you're a kid. You know, when yeah, you're a kid, you're playing shortstop or playing outfield, and you're pitching. That was me. I and, played shortstop and I pitched. And he's doing it at the highest level, so it was pretty special to watch. So hopefully he, you know, gets well soon and comes back better than ever because the game of baseball. I mean. His his face as the face of baseball is is pretty special. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's it's like Ichiro, but could be more impactful. Absolutely. And you know what? He could probably have seen that vision, and he probably cares more about his legacy than the money. And a lot of people talk crap about him for that, but you know what? I respect him. Yeah. Because apparently, that if he would have stayed over in Japan for three more years, he would have got way more money. You know. Yeah. But apparently, he came over early and decided to get less money. And we talked about it last time about the the Latin kids that come over here. He's no different. He came to a new planet with with a bunch of aliens to play the game that he played his whole life. True, but also he came over with all of the hype and plus all a translator at his at his beck and call. But when he goes to McDonald's and he wants to order something, he still points. He still points. He still points. And, and everything say. that he does as soon as he gets here is under a microscope because he's already in the big leagues. Agreed. Agreed. I wonder if he's, they're making him take English classes. No. I Doubt bet they're not making him, but I bet he does it on his own. And that's just a theory. I probably agree with that theory. I think anybody that turns down a whole bunch of money to come over here to start his career sooner takes enough pride in everything he does to try to learn the language of the country he's playing baseball in. That's a good theory, Shane. Thank you. So, all right, moving towards our next, we took a series against the Blue Jays, which was which was well done. And we had we probably had our best crowds of the year during those series. I know some of them took the train over from Canada. Yeah, there's a lot of Royal Blue in the series. There's a lot of Royal Blue, but we'll take them. We'll take the opposing fans. Yeah, the atmosphere was still great. The atmosphere was great. When you're when you're in between the lines, the atmosphere plays a huge role. And uh not just your performance, but just kind of like your hype or, or your your focus, at least for me. 100%. The, the, the louder everything is, the the more fun you have when you're out there. Like so even even if okay, so we'll just take Fenway Park for an example. Like even if I'm in the batter's box, and I got two strikes on me, and the whole stadium is cheering. I don't really think that they're cheering against me. No, I just, just hear, cheering. I just feel energy. Yeah, you know. Exactly. And as I think, and as a competitor, you just feed off of that. Hundred percent. So we'll take we'll take the Canadians. Yeah, whoever wants to come and sit in the seats and scream, they're welcome. Exactly, I'd agree with that. Except Yankees fans. You don't Yankees like Yankees fans, fans are brutal. You don't like Yankee fans? I don't like Yankee fans. Why not? Because they say some mean stuff, man. Well, yeah. 
Boston they fans say, say mean stuff, mean stuff to their stuff own players too. too. That's the thing. They do say mean. Well, you would know. You were a Yankee. Yeah. Why do my, you think my first so time pitching at Yankee Stadium? I had three errors. You had three I had errors. Three errors as a pitcher. As a pitcher. Congrats, man. Thanks, that's Im- man. that's impressive. Yeah, no, I was setting records out there. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty fun to watch. Good for you. Boston <laughs> yeah. fans are mean too. Yeah, but supportive. If you go to Boston or New York and and you're a guy there, like lo- JD is loving Boston fans. Yeah, they'll love you forever. They'll love. I you mean, forever. no different than here, really. We start winning, everybody loves us forever. I would agree with that. Everybody loves Trammell forever. Everybody loves K-Line forever. Everybody's going to love K-Line forever. Everybody loves Willie Horton forever. 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 Gibby. Gibby? You have to love Gibby. You have to love Gibby. Because Gibby doesn't sugarcoat anything. Anything. And if you're looking for somebody to beat around the bush, Gibby is not not your guy. No. He's not your guy. So, all right. So, even though we we dropped the series in Fenway, first off, we got to be realistic. We went up against a really, really good team. But we played we played extremely well. Anytime you can go in the Fenway and, take and win one, at least one game, exactly, you did well. You did. And if you, you did can well. go into Fenway and win the series, obviously that's the main goal. But no matter what team you're on, if you can go in the Fenway and win at least one and not get swept, you did good. Um, we we played well. We pitched well. I thought, um, you know, like I said, anytime you go into that place and win a game, it's it's big time. Hats off to Boyd, man. I was he's throwing the ball. He couldn't be throwing the ball any better right yeah, now. Yeah, that that game too was big for him because the first two innings, uh, you could just kind of tell he was out there searching and scuffling a little bit, and then. But he didn't uh, panic. No, he never. No panicked. panic. He was the opposite of you on your MLB radio show, and they asked about our podcast. Complete opposite. He went he went out there and got his thoughts together, and what did he end up going six? Or six, almost or, six? six or seven. Yeah. Quality start. Yeah, and that's. A lot of people don't realize too is uh starting pitchers it's it's tough because everybody wants to see you know their ERAs low or whatever it may be but what what fans don't realize is how much going deep into ball games impact the team 100% because now it 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 lets your bullpen rest correct so instead of the bullpen covering four innings every game you know we only got to cover two or if you're on the road and and you happen to not win that one you know, you only got to cover up to the eighth inning. Nobody has to. And now it keeps the all these so, arms fresh. So it keeps the arms fresh, and and over time, uh, you know that that obviously helps us play better. So yeah, and then you know Cleveland just came in town, and we dropped the series against them. But it could have very easily gone the other way. Yeah. You know, first off, everybody's got to realize if you got a guy out there like Corey Kluber and he's on. I don't care who you're facing, good. Uh, what team he's facing, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Because that guy's going to cut it and sink it and bring it back and, and, and change it up with the best of them. He's one of the best in the game. And no, you said no something You it. said something that, that really stuck out and I started paying attention. It never looks like Corey Kluber overthrows a pitch. No. He's like a surgeon out there. He's a surgeon. I actually said that to him. I was, I was shagging early BP and he came back from throwing a bullpen. And I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know that if you weren't a baseball player, you'd be a surgeon. Yeah. And he laughed. He laughed at you? He laughed at me, and then he said, how's your hand, and how do you like right field? So that means that he knew that my hand was sore because that was when I got hit in the hand and I missed a couple days, mm-hmm. and then he wanted to know how the transition to right field was going. So he, so he has, so he's so in tune with himself that he can worry about other people and cares about other people. He sees it all. He sees it all. And you gotta, you gotta, you got to be solidified with yourself to be able to do that. Guess who else did that? Derek Jeter. Number Everybody. Two. 
Well, everybody else would say that Derek Jeter, whenever they talked to him, it was never about Jeter. It was always about yeah. the other person. Absolutely. It was, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Uh, how's everything going? And he knew. And he paid attention and he cared. You know, and I think I think Corey's along the same lines of that. So, you know, hats off to him. Uh, when, did, when, did he, when did he whip us? Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. So hats off to him. But the other two? I mean, you know, Candy with that awesome homer, but yeah. it was it. We could have had the Don't first. Don't forget, one too. I blew one. You did blow one. I blew. But one. that's okay, because we only scored one run. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is sometimes they hit it to the warning track, and sometimes it goes over over everything. the fence. So, had it was just had it been just at the warning track, then maybe somebody else would have hit a walk off homer. But also, you know, we got to just look at the progress of that because the first series that we went into Cleveland, they swept us. They yeah. swept us, and we never got anything going. We never really got guys in scoring position. We never really got the momentum of our games. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And now you look at the past two times we've had Cleveland. You know, obviously we want all the wins, but as as a progression standpoint, we're in the right direction, and no one can say that. No one can say otherwise. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's that's what's important when we're building for a future. Yeah, we're we're we talked about it last time. It's a process, and we're we're making strides slowly but surely making strides and at the end of the day the game of baseball is what it is you know you can throw the same pitch 10 times to the same guy and you're probably going to get 10 different results that is extremely true you know you can take the perfect swing and hit a line drive right at somebody i can throw the perfect pitch and they can hit it over the fence if you played basketball and you took the perfect shot it would just be nothing but net. nothing but net. it would go right in the hoop you know hey, do so you think lebron james goes back to cleveland next year that's a good topic. That's a great topic. Better question is, do you think he's the best ever? Do I think LeBron? Yeah, but they'll never say it. They'll never say it because Jordan did it first. Yeah, Jordan's legacy is the biggest. I'll tell you what. The last time that LeBron James wasn't in the finals, I was a junior in high school. I'm 26, everybody. That's incredible. Okay. I just wanted to get that one off my chest. <laughs> That's incredible. So anyway, what we promised you guys today, and I know that I'm going to regret doing this extremely, but we have our moms here. Mom, say hello. Hello. Wait, wait, Hi. Hold on, let's, let's, uh, Are so there mics on? There are mics on, everybody? All right, so Michelle, that's my mom. Say hi and, and say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having us. I'm so happy to be here. Mama. Hi, everybody. Tell everybody your name. Brenda. They Brenda call me Green. Brand. I think they're ready. I think they're Do you ready. Think they're are nervous. You, I think are you guys ready? That's the question. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> I think they're pro they're probably nervous. Okay, so first off, mom, you can go first. Uh, have you ever done anything like this before? No, actually, it's my first thing, and I have to say thank you to the organization and you guys letting us out here. This view back here is pretty crazy. Pretty huh? crazy. It's really cool. Way to We're go, sitting mom. Politically the correct, right off the bat. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, it's the truth. What about you, mom? Are you nervous? Uh, a little bit. A little I'll bit. let her be politically correct, though. I'll <laughs> <take the> <laughs> <other>. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Mom. So I'll give you I'll give you the story a little bit, and you can just kind of give everybody your uh, your story about you know where you came from and growing up and just all that. So you got the floor for you know two minutes or so or however long it takes to tell your life story. Yeah, okay. Go. That's funny. Uh, I'm born and raised here in Detroit, and I love the city. Uh, my parents uh, were grounded. My grandparents were grounded here. So we've, my father was tired, retired Detroit firefighter. My mother retired from Comerica Bank. Aunts and uncles worked for Chrysler, GM, Ford. 
and uh, just been embedded in the city. And we grew up as Tigers fans. We Did came here watching the game. I was here when Trammell and Lou Whitaker, and they're out there. First time I ever came, I remember them going, Lou. And I was like, why are they booing at that guy? And it's <laughs> like, no, it's Lou Whitaker out it's there. It's kind of like Moustakas in Kansas City. Comes up and he goes, moo. Yeah, or now people are chanting goose here. Goose. Yeah. Blame it's it like, on the goose. Blame it on the goose. Blame it on the goose. Um, and I was in high school in 84 when we won. That was awesome to be here in the city at that time, too. It was incredible. So, Did you play any sports in high school? I did. I played uh, softball and did gymnastics, a little bit of basketball, um, swimming. Really? Yeah. So you played four different sports in high school? Oh, yeah. I used to think that I got my athleticism from my dad because he talked about his outstanding high school career so much. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, I think it's, I think it's a little bit from my mom, too. Oh, thank you, Nicholas. That's very nice to say. Yeah, you're welcome, Mom. Thanks. I just, I'm on a podcast, so I got to be Doesn't come very often, so thank you for that. You're welcome. I like Verlander with my compliments with you. (laughs) (laughs) Take them when you can get them. I will. And now it's on record, so it's awesome. What about, what about you? Tell everybody where you're from. I grew up and raised in Boaz, Alabama. Boaz, Alabama. You heard Boaz, Boaz, Alabama. Alabama. It's on Sand Mountain. It's on Sand Mountain. How many people did you graduate high school with? I want to say a hundred. A hundred? I'm not sure. It was a very small town. I've never and been to Alabama. I was raised by my aunt and uncle, who was a minister, so I'm a minister's daughter. You're a minister's daughter. You know what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's know what true. they say. <laughs> it's <not true>. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not true. <laughs> uh, we're, we're just expecting more of, that's all. But I was adopted. My story's quite different. Wow. My mom passed away when I was a year old. My father gave us up, and we were all divided between aunts and uncles. Wow, so I didn't, didn't grow up with my brothers. Wow. How so did you know? Did did uh? How old were you when you found out you were adopted? Or did they tell you? They told me as soon I as mean, you, I was a year old when when they took me in. And the craziest story is that I ended up with a separate set of aunt and uncles than I started with, um, because each set took one of us, except for my older brother went into the service, and I ended up with another one because she had a daughter who was also birthday was in December a year older than me and tragically died in a car accident so she said she had a dream one night that my mother came to her and told her to take care of me and she would take care of her baby girl and so I ended up with another aunt and uncle wow it's crazy that is crazy yeah I don't even know I couldn't even imagine what it's like to be adopted well I was adopted by family so that's a little different so you it's know, a little so different it I is. think it's a blessing, to be honest with well, you. To one, be chosen 100, is, 100% is a blessing. With, without a doubt. But I'm just saying, like, my perspective is growing up with mom and dad, you know, right. I couldn't imagine that being adopted, you know. Not saying that it's good, bad, or indifferent, but wow. You know, yeah. everybody's story is, is special in their own way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any sports, mom? A cheerleading. Cheerleading. You call that a sport? <laughs> they they had cheerleader to, people. Did you have to do push-ups when the when the football team scored, or is that just like a two thousands thing? Because in both of my high schools, no. whenever the football team scored, like the cheerleaders needed to show that they were tough so they and did, did push-ups. push-ups. No. And however many no. points they scored was how many push-ups they did. No, no. we didn't do that. Never. No. My mom never did pom-pom. any kind of push-ups. Good. <laughs> I Good. played flag football one time. You did what? I played flag football. Look at that. See? Flag football. See there? Well, let me tell you something. My dad never played any sports, so obviously I got my athleticism from my mother. <laughs> Good for, like. Well, on our last podcast, you told everybody that you were not an athlete, but you could throw a baseball. Correct. Well, here's the thing is I'm not athletic, but I am an athlete. I'm a professional athlete. 
Well, that's like saying I'm a musician. I'm just not very good. How is that the same? That's not the same. Is it not, not the same? same. That's no. not the same. No. Well, and technically everybody then would be, oh, because you're saying your job title's an athlete? Yes. Okay. But I'm not athletic. But you're not athletic. Don't you have I to would be disagree. athletic to be how, an athlete? How can you not be athletic to be just out there doing what you guys are doing? Well, hold on, time out. I've seen him swing a bat. <laughs> hey. I've seen him. <laughs> I got seven ABs in the show, man. How many times have you made contact? Twice. Whoa. <laughs> hey. Congrats. The last two times, too. Baby steps. I was a couple of bats away from getting a hit, I think. But don't you have to have timing and rhythm and all that to be a good pitcher? Like, that takes yeah, some, I mean, s- some athleticism. Not everybody can go out there and throw a baseball. Honestly, yeah. But so if you put, like, another ball in my hands, like a basketball or a football, I don't know. I don't can know. You throw, can you throw a football? I can throw a football pretty decent, but, like, catching it, not so, not so good. No? All right. Well, how about we go to uh, – how about we go to some questions on Twitter? Okay, so so let's see what the people want to hear our moms talk about. What the people want to hear is um, who was the tougher parent? So this could be a question for me oh, and you. Uh, <laughs> oh, like when, when you, you, when you wanted, like when you wanted to do something, <laughs> let's, let's say you wanted to go to the movies. Which parent did you think was going to tell you no, or which parent did you go to when you when you when you needed a yes? Who did you go to? Am I playing good baseball at the time? Because if I'm playing good baseball at the time, I can go and ask my dad for anything. He's going to say, sure. Okay, so you, you've been 0 for your last 30. 0 for my last 30? Yeah. I'm not going anywhere regardless. Because <laughs> my dad's shutting everything down. Uh, I'd probably say my, so my mom was more of the disciplinarian of the everyday, you know, like wax on the forehead if we our table manners weren't right, you know, cleaning up the room on top of the progress report, things like that, you know. My dad didn't really get brought in unless it was something, like, really serious. But, like, the everyday bumps and grinds of, like, growing up, that was that was my mom. Do you agree, Mom? Yeah, I would agree to that most wholeheartedly. I did carry a wooden spoon in the car. Just she did. Case. Okay, so my mom. A so, wooden spoon in the car. No. Oh, I yeah. Did. So here's the thing. So if we're, we're, so we had, we went to a, like I said, a, uh, a private elementary school, which was 45 minutes away. So carpooling, it was myself, my brother, my sister, my two cousins, and we were all in the back. And sometimes, you know, if you got bored, you'd get rowdy, you know, yeah. being kids. And my mom had this spoon that was like, like just tucked in her seat, just a long wooden spoon. And if we were acting up, she would just reach behind and start flailing it. And whoever got hit, got, got hit. hit. It didn't matter. It worked every time. It worked every time because full, a lot full of... Full disclosure, you know, you guys were older when I went to that. Not <laughs> elementary school, just so everyone knows well, that. Well, hold on. Ele- <laughs> well, no, it was, it was elementary school. But and it you was, did get fair warning. It was like fifth grade. So I was like in probably fifth grade, my brother in third grade, you know, and then the, my sister was in first, but she was in the back. So it was usually, it was, the majority of the time it was myself and my brother. That were taking the beatings. You and your brother were me out of and, control. Me and my brother. Sometimes my sister was collateral damage. <laughs> Just, you know, from us messing up. Yeah. So, well, here's the thing is, I feel like I never got whooped. You didn't. I was just an angel. He was. Basically. Aww. I was the best kid. I ever. cannot say that. I can't say. I but I also good, had no, you like, bad good. influences, like, with brothers and sisters that were my age. My sister's 11 years older than me. Well, I mean, we I never really got in trouble, like, doing anything, like, malicious or, like, I, my trouble is, is, like, I'm listening. playing in the, I'm, yes, everyday listening, you know, like, yeah. my mom having to ask me to do something more than once, you know, uh, 
playing with my friends outside and like breaking my neighbor's window from like kickball or playing mm-hmm. stickball or something, you know. Uh, yeah, one time I remember. One, here's one you're going to be sorry you asked me to come along. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Never it. malicious stuff, but one time, you know, he, he had been asking, can I get a cat? Can I get a gerbil? Can I get this? Can I get that? And I'm a like, gerbil? No. Gerbil is Jacqueline. Well, whomever. I would never want Somebody a gerbil. Somebody was asking. And I would never want a cat. And some you asked to go out. I'm going to go get some Ben and Jerry's. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, this, yeah. This, this okay. Happened. Suddenly you remember. I'm going to go get Ben and Jerry's. I'm Damn, like, okay, happened. good. This is when he was first driving and he had his car. And I'm like, okay, you can go get some ice cream. And he comes back with two gerbils. Ben and Jerry. So you went to Ben and Jerry's so. for ice cream, but well, hold on, you really out. went right, to get okay, Ben and right Jerry's. Right next to Ben and Jerry's. And he had been told no. Right next to Ben and Jerry's was a pet store. <laughs> okay. And we just wanted to walk into the pet store just to look at pets while we ate the ice cream. And it was like me, my brother, like a friend from my high school, and my sister and whatever. And we're just out like passing time on a Saturday. And we saw these, it literally looked like two cotton balls of these, like... Kittens. No, gerbil things. Oh, they're gerbils. Yeah, gerbils or whatever. And uh, I can't believe I'm telling this story on a podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, so then I, we were just, my sister loved them. We loved them. We were just like, let's get it. How much are they? They were like eight bucks a piece. So I ended up coming home, spending like $40, and I ended up getting a cage and... And, and Ben and Jerry. And Ben and Jerry. Yeah, and then he got in a little trouble for not listening. But Grounded. you had to keep them in your room. Yeah, you had to keep them. I was like, I'm not cleaning that. My room, and my sister ended up taking more of care of them because my sister loves all living things. So yeah, she's but a good soul. That was just an example of, I guess, me You're not listening. Not listening. But anyway, let's move forward because <laughs> this is terrible to talk about. And so, obviously, what the fans want to know is they probably want to hear the the mother's perspective of a child who started in t-ball and is now playing major league baseball yeah one of one of the questions the way that it was worded on twitter actually was how did you make time for family while meeting the demands of a child that was so involved in baseball well for me it was making time for the family was baseball baseball was family time Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree with that we had three of them playing all at the same time. Yeah. That was oh, really that was hard because my daughter played, prof- um, she played um, travel softball. Yeah. I remember once my dad came and um, he was visiting with his wife and we had in one week 18, 18 games between three kids. That's a lot. I mean, we eat, lived, and breathed going to the field. Yeah. You just have to make that be your family. You I do. agree. Yeah. It, is. it is. And then the families that are there on the field become your, your family good family well. friends too. Yeah. Yeah, one big happy family. Yeah. It's a community when cases. you guys are playing sports like that. And the travel yeah. and, and everything else because there's so many places you have to go to and so many things you have to organize. And and then when it starts getting up there where you're, where you're actually um, playing in high school and things like that, and then you're traveling even further around the country, mm-hmm. that got sometimes complicated. Sometimes out of the country. And sometimes out of the country. Well, for, for guys that were really good like yeah. yourself, yeah. I, could, I stayed pretty local. Oh, good. Except, except now. Except now. Except now. Congratulations, Shane. You made it. Some of us <laughs> bloom sooner than others. Um, next question. If and when you're in a slump, Nicholas. This you're asking me? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, what kind of words of wisdom, if any, does your mom share with you? <coughs> well, the good thing, well, sometimes the words from my parents are, are the most 
beneficial, especially from my mom, because my mom is, let's say, detached, more detached from the game than my hitting coach. Mm -hmm. So, like, in the past where my hitting coach would be like, look at this, look at your weight transfer, look at this, look at that, and we're breaking everything down on video, and my hands are here and whatever, you know, and then I go home, and my mom's like, oh, you know, don't forget to see the ball, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, because sometimes you can get so caught up and all, and you can look something so in depthly that you can look too in depth into something that was that is simple, you know. And I think that's the benefit of uh, of my mom. Just when she would say that, and my dad also, you know, like I mean, even now after games, my dad's texting me after every uh, after every game, good, bad, or indifferent. Sometimes when my first two at bats are are, I could see I could see his his anger like change in a happiness just from the text message like i'm over two with two strikeouts and he's like you don't know what you're swinging at today your swings all over the place like you got to be disciplined you got to be that and then you know i'll i'll hit a line draw at the middle and then a double in the gap to like score a run or whatever and he's like great job today you know this and that you know and so my dad is very uh attached to every single at bat where my mom is more of big picture you know and i think personality wise i'm more like my mom in that sense but you know, it was it, it was my dad's emotion and and commitment to every single at bat wanting to be perfect that I think inevitably got me here. You know, because mm -hmm. when we were little and, and I was in coach pitch or whatever, if I was if I went three for four with two homers and a double and then my last at bat I hit a fly ball to the shortstop, we're in the car talking about that fly ball, that to, fly the ball to the shortstop. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh and even though like that sounds like a miserable way to ride home every day. I'm doing a podcast in a major league stadium. Worked out, you know. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be appreciative of it. Absolutely. So I know say, there's a wonderful book you read. Oh, Harvey Dorfman. When he first struggled in high school, he was having a real hard time, um, and it's called The Mental Keys to Hitting, and it just simplifies the approach. And mm -hmm. it was the first um, book I think you read, cover to cover. And no, I read Captain Underpants when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> Only you but it to. did. It was just, it says, you know, see the ball. And then it's never been about trying to do it like someone else. You guys are here because you are yourselves, right? And mm -hmm. so you have your own approach and you have your own style and it's brought you to the table. And now you're, you're here. And while you're here, you don't want to be thinking about it so much and that you're trying to be like someone else to achieve those outcomes. It's not about that outcome. It's about staying focused on what you're doing and how you do it and be that natural. So seeing the ball and hitting the ball for him was always, always a conversation and just stay, stay it's within your own personal mothers space. Will always be mothers. No, mothers are always, you mothers know? are always mothers. Like when I come home, my parents have basically moved in at this point in Detroit. <laughs> and when I come home, whether I did good or bad, they're the same, you know, but my mom gets it a little bit more than my dad. So when I'm, when I'm like really frustrated, let's use the other knife for an example. When Kipnis hit a slider, a hundred thousand feet to right center. I was a little frustrated as you can imagine. And I got home and my mom's smart enough to know to leave me alone for a little bit where my dad wants to talk to me about it, you know? So she's not only being my mother, she has to be his mother too and tell him to shut up and leave me alone and just give me a minute. And I'll come back. I think I'm coming to the conclusion that wives, that really good wives, also play the mothers of their husbands as well as their children. 
Because they're caregivers? No, because men never really grow up. <laughs> because we create the monsters. The mothers create the monsters. <laughs> they say that, the yes. <laughs> you are where your mother brought you. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'm really happy about that, and sometimes I'm mortified. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I did teach them differently, but, you know. So what advice, what, what other advice could you give a mom? Let's say if there's a mom or a dad listening right now, and they have their kid in, in the travel ball, and they have them... Uh, you know, in rec leagues and giving lessons and things like that, what advice would you give that parent uh, who wants to see their child achieve, achieve their dreams of Major League Baseball? Whoever wants to start can start. Well, I would say just allow them to do it. Allow the process. Be there to support them in the game. Do all that you can do, but it's really up to them. I would say I would agree with that. You mean like... You gotta, you gotta really be honest. If if you want it more than they do, yeah, that it never, that never really works. If the parents want it more than the kids, it's usually never, it's it's yeah. never gonna work out. Absolutely. Like my dad wanted it really, really bad, but I wanted it just as bad too. So the more, like, like gasoline he poured on the fire, the the brighter the fire was, the bigger the fire got, so to speak. You know, like it was, you gotta have that that initial spark. To want to be great you know absolutely I think you got to take it upon yourself your parents are just there to support you and make sure you stay on the right track how do you think how do you think you how do you think as a mother you can inspire your children at a young age to start taking pride in things that they do at by a young age by example by example so leading by example what do you got to say Mom? I think so I, because I think they notice yeah, you got to walk. I agree. Yeah. You have to walk the walk. You can yeah. talk the talk, and I think the conversation's good to have. Like, I remember always telling you sometimes that, you know, you have to stay balanced and stay focused, and you have to keep your eye, like you said earlier, on the bigger ball. And as a parent, I think, you know, the school, the school, the school, make sure you're doing really well, because at the same time, yes, this is a dream, and yes, it's something you want to do, but on the other side, too, it's a business. So how do you create a place in your space for me as you or my son to get yourself in the best position possible to get what you want? And it always comes from preparation. If you're prepared for something that may come, when it comes, the goodness happens, I think. So, yeah, I always was telling my kids, you know, yes, practice with your baseball, but do well with your school and do well in the church and do well in your community and do well, do well, do well in all the things that bring you to a good person as a whole but yeah and you have to lead that by example so it's one thing to talk about it if you're not actually doing that yourself you then yeah so we were always trying to make sure that they were balancing everything out together not just one because if you're if you're awesome on the field but you're terrible in school and you can't even get yourself a, a college scholarship or something from school you may end up going out of high school but you're in a better positioning for bargaining when you're a four-year college scholarship than if you're just not. Right. Why not get yourself in the best possible position that you possibly can? As a can? mother, your your job is to make sure we're ready for life. Right. Not just baseball. Right. All of it together. Well, what do you th and what plan do you think? Plan A are, is plan. Plan well, B. What do you think are the most? Well, you say ready for life. What are the what are the? Give me the three most important tools that a child needs to develop on their own for life. If you, if you could say three things, like you're, when we were born, you're like, man, I need this kid to recognize three things so when he walks out of this door when he's 18 years old, I don't have to wake up worried at night. Believing in yourself, I think. 
Believing in yourself, number one. Yes, number one. Um, and I believe in life, you get back what you give. So if you focus on being that person that puts good things out in life, you're going to get it back in one form or, or another. Um, and never losing faith. I guess that's the same thing, actually. And having confidence in your abilities. Never, never let go of the confidence in your abilities. So we'll, so we'll sum that up in two things. So be, first off, believing, believing in, in who you are. Yeah. Uh, Not only who you are, but what you are. Believing in, in what, wait, okay, elaborate on that. Well, I believe in who I am, but I also believe in what I am. Like, I know who I am, but I know what people think I am, you know? Like, the way people perceive me is, isn't is always exactly who I am. Okay, like, here's the thing. Like, people perceive me as a Major League Baseball player, but I don't really perceive myself as a Major League Baseball player. Right, but, but you got to be as soon aware. As, you, as soon as you own the fact that you are a Major League Baseball player and you still believe in who you are, then people will get to know who you are. I agree with that. You know? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And to be honest, when I was younger, that was pretty – that's a weird thing to, to be 21 years old and random people – give a crap yeah you have to learn to own it do you know what i'm saying because at 21 we sometimes don't give a crap so it's it's bad if you don't give a give a crap and you have other people giving a crap about you not giving a crap does that make any sense yeah it's a lot of craps but i got you <laughs> i'm with you i'm picking up what you're putting down man okay so so be kind unto others and believe in yourself you know nick we had those three um, words that we always talked about, which we came from, from Cushman, which is courtesy, industry, and responsibility. And we always said, if you are industrious in what you do, and you do the best that you can do, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're a bank teller, if you're um, a fireman, if you're a teacher, if you're a ball player, do it to the best of your ability. So you're industrious. And if you're responsible to do the things you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do them and how you're supposed to do them, the industrious nature and your responsible nature brings success. And then thirdly, be courteous to the people around you. Because if you're a great industrious person and you're responsible, but you're kind of a butthead, like who wants to be around mm -hmm. you? So you want to be courteous as well. So we, we, we lived off that for a while. And he went to a school that actually... Um, was scored the kids on a monthly basis. They receive scores on their courtesy, industry, and responsibility. And it kind of brings about, if you are those things all together collectively, you're sort of defaulted into success. Right. Whether so it kind of comes back to the same thing, what goes exactly. around comes around. Yeah, what goes around comes around. Everything's a full circle. Well, exactly. let me ask you this. If you, who you are. If you, if you treat others the way you want to be treated and you take pride in everything you do, how can you not be successful? Exactly. That's a great question. It depends on what people classify as being successful. So success is opinion. Correct. So success is perspective. Perspective is success. And then you should always keep in mind that everyone is successful in each and everything that they're doing or could be. And don't project what maybe perhaps society says you're only successful if you're making a million dollars. Well, that's exactly. not necessarily true, you know. Well, so, yeah, it is a perspective. But be generous to the people around you and what you allow yourself to understand what success is well, and that goes back to listening what you guys were talking about earlier mm -hmm. listening to the people around you like you said Derek Jeter does you know he doesn't project his success and level of success on the people around him as He's you stated like I don't know I've never else. talked to him now that you Agreed. said that I thought gosh that'd be nice to talk to somebody like that that's awesome that he does that because you know God gives you two ears one mouth 
-hmm. I think, too, if you viewed the game of baseball from, like, the eyes of a kid. That's going to keep it great, too. Mm -hmm. Always. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know who tries to do that a lot is Daniel Norris. Uh, Daniel Norris ain't with us right now. He's rehabbing down in, in, in South Florida. But you know what Daniel Norris did one time? We had an off day in Cleveland. Uh, the Indians had a night game that night. And, and he, he went to the game. And he went to the game and as a spectator and bought the cheapest seats he possibly could and sat all the way up in the upper deck and wanted to watch the game as a spectator, knowing he was going to start the, the, the next night just for, for perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, from my perspective this season, I feel like you guys out there are playing like that. I'm loving it. I love it. I love watching the games. This, there's Thank some you. electric happening on the field that's different this I year the same way. and it's, it's like awesome. i honestly and i hate to admit this i didn't always watch the last couple of years because i'd oh, i'd have this 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 i find myself with my phone and my at bat and i'm oh, watching everyone every and i'm like walking around i ran into a wall the other day i was like what <laughs> like oh my goodness well, i gotta pay attention <laughs> but, you know, but you know what it's funny it's that maybe that maybe it's just that we have that genuine energy now in the field you know bringing back to a million dollars is viewed as successful let me tell you everybody uh, being a professional athlete, I've met a lot of people with a lot of money. And sometimes those people with a lot of money are not happy. Well, here's the thing. is They say money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski. And I've never seen anybody pissed off on a jet ski. I was once. It possibly could, but here's the thing. You don't live your life on a jet ski. At some point, you got to bring that jet ski back to land, you gotta, and then you're, you gotta and then load you're that jet faced ski with up. yourself again. Correct. You know, one time Ryan and I, his brother, went out on a jet ski in the Keys. And, and the you thing happy? sank. It sank in the middle, and Ryan was on the <laughs> handlebars, and we had to, we were out there for an hour. It's like, Mom, are there any sharks? I'm like, No, hon, it's all good. You were <laughs> panicking. I was panicking, but I couldn't let him know that. But yeah, there is one time I'll tell you that that jet ski. So it does happen. You're <laughs> does not always happen. happy. You're not always happy. My theory has been disproven. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna wrap it up with two things. So first off, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have our our two strike approach question to close it. But before that. Shane Green and his beautiful mind came up with a question that, that, that flooded the clubhouse with a variety of theories. And we're going to put it out there uh, for all of you listeners <laughs> oh, no. uh, out there. And we're not going to give any perspective. I asked my mom this question last night and uh, tweet us with, with your answers. So if you decide to make a pond Here in your backyard, <laughs> oh, brother. if, you decide, to make, if you decide to build a pond in your backyard, right? And algae starts to grow in the pond after a month. Did you just make the pond or did you also make the algae? That's the question. Are you only responsible for creating the pond or are you also responsible for creating the algae that grows in the pond? I'm going to leave that at that. And Shane, so, tweet us, so let us know what yeah, you tweet, think. Tweet, because, us, tweet us your answers. Uh, and believe we'll it or not, that ripped time. through the clubhouse like wildfire. Uh, I think it was on Sunday. Uh, with everybody arguing one way or the other. So let me know what you guys think. And Shane, you can hit us with uh, the two-strike approach question. Uh, okay, so moms. the two-strike approach question I have is for the mothers that have joined us. And um, the question is basically with us uh, being, you know, under a, a magnifying glass um, and knowing that our, our game that we play comes with a lot of failures, and criticism, uh, you know, how do you guys as, as moms deal with that? Does it affect you personally? Um, you know, does it uh, affect the family? Does it affect the house? Does it affect your mood? Or, um, you know, are, are you ever worried about us? How, how do you guys deal with our failures and criticism that we get for what we do? Well, for uh -huh. me, in the beginning, I allowed it to. But now I don't. Um, I, 
most of the time I just don't even read it. Don't pay attention to it because I don't understand those people where that kind of thing comes from. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense to me. If you're not a fan, I don't understand why you're on there. <laughs> you know, so um, I don't read it. But now when I do, I find myself chuckling over it. Yeah. Because they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They only know my number. Yeah, and that's And it. your stats. And my stats. Yeah. Which are also numbers. Yes. Right. <laughs> I think, and I think that's the transition from from being a rookie and becoming an established veteran is understanding that you are a hundred percent detached from your stats. Mm-hmm. You know, where you see a lot of kids that are are trying so hard to establish themselves in the big leagues, and they walk around feeling how their stats tell them to feel. Mm-hmm. Where you look at the people like the Tory Hunters and the Derek Jeters, and you know the people who have done it for like Bartolo Colon. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy doesn't walk around feeling like a five and a half ERA or a two and a half ERA. He that guy around. just walks around like big sexy every yeah, day. Every day. <laughs> no matter what. Every day. I think it comes back to what my mom said earlier is you got to believe in yourself. As soon as you believe that you belong here, you'll stop paying attention to the numbers. Mm-hmm. But until you believe that, you're going to pay attention to the numbers because you want them to tell you that you belong here. That's a good perspective. It's true. And it's like when people come to me and they'll say, you got to be so proud of Shane. And I say, I, I'm proud for Shane, that he made it, that his hard work paid off for him. I'm proud of who he is. That's good. You, what do you got, Mom? That's a tough answer to top. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I'll just say I, I, I come from two perspectives, right? Prior to having a son playing and being a fan of baseball and loving baseball, I'll be guilty and say that sometimes I probably said some of those stupid things and was just like, oh, how could you get rid of, you know, all that stuff that people say. Mm-hmm. And and having now a son in the game and two sons, actually, who, you know, went through different parts of it and seeing him out there, I just realized that, you know, you do have to separate yourself from it. You, yeah. you, it is different because you realize that they're just young men out there playing and um i think people forget that side of you guys that you're young men and you make mistakes and you know it's easy to be an armchair quarterback out there saying oh you should have caught that ball or you should have thrown a pitch different but i just sometimes you know i'll order another beer let it go yeah sit back and it's like okay let it go well let's talk about you you were saying something interesting that uh you and Chris, my, my mom's fiance, we were sitting down. Uh, my brother came to visit. So let's talk about your emotions oh going through that day. So, yeah. you know, you so, you know, my younger brother uh, got released by the Tigers last year. And then he got signed by an independent ball team. And then through only uh, two starts, got released by that independent ball team. And then came over to Detroit after pretty much, you know, uh, his, his dream being taken from him to come over and support me during my bobblehead weekend. And the same weekend that my magazine was coming out. I was so, torn. So it was hard. Ta- so that, but that's real emotion. So why don't you give everybody your perspective on that weekend? You have a son who, you know, is, is quote unquote, uh, you know, having all of this success. And then you have another son who's, you know, quote, dealing with his failure. Yeah. That was a really hard day. It was so exciting. You know, you're being... Um, given all these accolades for your accomplishments on the very same day that he's coming back. Oh, God, I can't even uh, think about it. Oh, he got me going. But um, he handled it pretty good. You know, I think he's trying to use humor and things like that that was trying to put it out there. But but that's 
that's it. You guys are all going to come to a place where you're going to come to a day where you're not going to play. Everybody gives it up at some point, right? One day and my so, career will be over. Not everybody yeah. plays forever. Nope. No, I don't think anybody. Uh, nobody I don't know anybody. For, nobody plays forever. <laughs> Nobody's ever played forever. So Nobody has played forever. Well, no one lives forever. No one lives forever. You know, Shane told me this crazy <laughs> stat the other day that 10 out of 10 people die. So don't take it too seriously. Okay. <laughs> or maybe that was your I'm going into my grave with a hook Jacoby. slide. That's what I'm saying. I'm going in hook sliding all. Well, good. So. Well, thanks, Mom, for opening up. So I, I'm pretty sure, guys, just a heads up, she's not always this soft-spoken. All right, so she seems like a sweetheart. Now, don't let that fool you. <laughs> uh, but all right, so I'm pretty sure. So that so that pretty much wraps it up, guys. Uh, anything Mom? else moms want to yeah, add? You want to add anything? I just hope you guys play your hearts out and continue to be as exciting as you are out there. You're doing good things. And, you know, if you do have a bad day, let it go and keep up. You got a hundred and some odd games to play. And I'm proud of you as young men and proud of you as players. And I'm glad we're playing for Detroit. So I hope we do really well. And I'm happy to see you adding this to what you do. The yeah, podcast. this is exciting. I think it's awesome. Yeah, well, we we wanna we wanna try to connect with more pe- with with people in more ways than just uh, in an, in an athletic way on the baseball diamond because I think that only gives a piece of what that only gives back a piece of what we can give back. You know, I think like like Nico Goodrum yesterday. Nico Goodrum yeah. went to Flint and That's took awesome. what ten thousand water bottles mm-hmm. to the the city of Flint. Mm-hmm. You know, like. That to me is more is is more important and more impactful than uh, you know hitting getting a base hit in the bottom of the eighth to score two. Absolutely. You know, because like that actually matters. It all comes back to that we're all humans, man. I agree with that. We're all on this rock together. How wonderful for you, young men, to have this platform to do that, though. Yes. Absolutely. That's the gift. Huge. Well, and we appreciate both mothers that we have and for molding us into the people that we are. And thank you for joining us. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you for having us. So, last but not least, I got to give all the shout outs now. So, I got to give a uh, shout out to uh, Jack's place. Again, you know, it's Jim Price. Jim Price's foundation that he puts together for his kids and uh, children with autism. And again, we don't have our shirts yet because apparently we can't get everything we want by it with a snap of our fingers, even though that we get accustomed to that in big league lifestyle. But our mm-hmm. shirts are still uh, not available yet. But when they are, uh, we'll sure let you guys know about it and then of course every single cent that we make uh, goes directly to uh, the big family of Michigan or if uh, let's say if you have a, a separate charity or you have something that you would like that to go to just let us know and we'll get it sent out to whatever uh, wherever, wherever it is that you guys want so thanks for listening and uh, see you next time yeah see, see you next time take care everybody <laughs> <laughs>